Welcome to the Get Cyber Resilient podcast. I'm Gar O'Hara. Today, I'm speaking to Shemaine Tan, the author of Cyber Risk Leaders, creator of the very successful Cyber Risk Meetups, and also exec advisor for Privisec. Shemaine is definitely doing great things in and for our industry. We recorded this interview last year in a glass walled conference room, as you're going to hear when we were lucky enough to find a spare 60 minutes in Shemaine's calendar. So it's definitely taken us a little bit of time to get this one out. And when Shemaine reviewed the episode again last week, she actually spotted that she mentions 120 MITRE attack techniques and that it's actually now over 170. So you know somebody is the real deal when they notice something like that, in my opinion. And also how quickly things change. The Cyber Risk Meetup, which Shemaine runs, has an official website. That's cyberriskmeetup.com. Um, that has been going in Australia and Singapore for some time, but actually now has launched in Japan, Tokyo, and it's going really strongly over there. The meetups are also virtual, so there's quite a few things to talk about. Uh, for example, the Mega C-Suite series that Shemaine is running, um, that has its own YouTube channel, and that's going to be included in the show notes. And then lastly, the book, Cyber Risk Leaders, is on Amazon and Kindle, and it's also available at My Security Marketplace. For folks in Asia, they can grab the hard copy of Cyberisk Leaders in their local Kinokuniya bookshop at Times and any really popular bookstores over there. So please enjoy the episode. Today, I'm sitting with somebody who may be the busiest person in cybersecurity. Every day, I see an update from a meeting or a conference or an event uh, where this person speaks or moderates panels. Amazingly, she's also found, found time to serve as the executive advisor for Privisec in, in the Asia-Pacific region. And if that wasn't enough, she's also spent years authoring a book called Cyber Risk Leaders, and that's a collection of insights from the C-suite and walks the reader through leadership and influence in the cyber age. So welcome, Shaman Ten. Hi, thanks for having me here. You're most welcome. It's great to, uh, to see you. Um, so look, you're a successful author. You run a really uh, popular cyber risk meetup, and you also work as the APAC executive advisor for Privisec. So I'm guessing this must be meaningful work for you? Yeah, definitely. So something I really enjoy and passionate about. So I don't really see it as a job, but something that I do every day, including your weekends. So you, you would do it for free. If you <laughs> <laughs> oh, I do need something to pay the bill. So yes. So how did you get to where you are today? Like, oh, what was the path to, to get to be so successful and to do so much? Hmm. Um, I think it's a journey, I would say. Um, and I started out actually not being in the cybersecurity industry. Okay. So I started out in IT and then I found myself just working really closely with the head of IT, some C-suite level, but really in terms of building up your team. And I was more focused on the people aspect. And then... Um, Somehow, I just found myself really intrigued in the cybersecurity industry. I actually was part of the one of the meetings at AWSN, which is the Australian Women in Security Network. Okay. And that was really interesting where you see a lot of different people coming in from different backgrounds and got really encouraged to give it a shot myself. And Privacet was one of my clients in the past and they've been asking me to do the jump, which I did. And that's how I ended up in the cybersecurity industry. That's awesome. And what was the, the biggest challenge or maybe some of the biggest challenges that you sort of faced along the way? I'm guessing that wasn't an easy jump to make. Mm, yes, it's it's a whole different ballgame because yep. there's so much to learn. You never stop learning. Um, even the sizes themselves are always finding hard to play catch up, right? You can never catch up. So I would say the biggest challenge is learning how to prioritize on what are the key things that 
I can be able to partner together with the different sizes that I work with and really help them bridge their get business gaps effectively. Yeah, and, and that is a big challenge, I think, for everyone these days. Um, so, that, like, you've had an incredible journey. You've done all this stuff. Yeah. What do you, when you look back at all that you've done, and it's a lot, mm. um, I do wonder sometimes when I see your LinkedIn posts, like, do you ever sleep? Because it just seems like there's no way a human being can do as much as you do. Okay. Um, but when you look back at it all, um, at a personal level, maybe, like, what do you feel most proud of it? Mm. I think... I just feel like I'm in a really good position where I'm learning a lot from different people that I'm speaking to. Um, the sizes are actually seeing me as a partner where they are sharing confidential information and, and looking to me to help add value in some way or another. And I feel like that's a it's an honor to be able to do that and be a trusted advisor. So for me, what really keeps me fulfilled and why I keep doing what I do because I feel it's meaningful where I want to be able to be that bridge and help bring the different expertise and the different learning experiences that these industry leaders that have gone ahead of me that they've learned and how can I bring that and to even the next generation, you know, of mm. people coming into this industry, how can I bridge that, help them learn from the lessons learned before so that they don't have to go through the long, painful journey of getting there. So that's why I'm motivated to do what I do and help bring that together. Awesome. And that almost leads perfectly into uh, Cyber Risk Meetups. So you founded that back in uh, in Sydney, actually, in 2017. Yeah. And they've grown now. You've got actually Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane, and Perth um, are cities yeah. that you're, you're running those in, and thousands and of members. And Singapore as well. And Singapore, sorry. Yeah. Um, Singapore also. What do you think has made those meetups so popular? Because there are other ones, but yours are particularly mm. popular. Mm. Uh, I think it's a combination of different factors. So the reason how these meetups all came about in the first place was driven by a desire to learn from yeah. different people that that you don't usually see on the platform. So that was how it started, where uh, I wanted to make it as diverse as possible. Mm. Um, I've been reaching out to people that are not the usual ones that you see as speakers on conferences. Um, so in a way, it gives them an opportunity and platform to share their experience. And the difference is that the meetup is not an official association, right? So they don't feel pressured because they're not representing their organization. They don't have to go through all the different hoops to get approval. They they know that they're in a safe place and the culture that has been built is such that they're just there to share what they have learned. And people learn best when you're being real about your challenges, your mistakes, yep. rather than saying things that like that media wants to hear and you know the, the politically correct answers and things like that. Yeah. So that's how it's grown actually and uh, there's been also like really interesting formats. So we try to do um like TED Talk style um, or debates. Um, yes. There was once we had a panel and I had like a different C-level. So I had like the CIO, CRO, um, CISO and then coming together and they were debating on, you know, like who should a CISO report it to. So that was quite interesting hearing different perspectives. So things like that. I'm sure that would have been slightly heated. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There are uh, CISOs I've talked to where exactly. they, if they have to report to a CFO, they won't take the job. Mm -hmm. go to see your reporting or not at all? Uh, it depends on the organization mm -hmm. as well and the leadership and also the culture. Yeah. So it, it can't be something that's, um, you know, you apply um, across every organization. You have to go down deeper into that. Yep. Um, but it's really, really interesting. You do see 
a lot of interesting perspectives that come out from this. Yeah. So um, another thing to add as well, the meetups are not done every like every day or every month. It's actually every quarter. Mm-hmm. So that okay. does keep it fresh and you yeah. know something that everybody looks forward to. I think it's a really good idea because I do feel like sometimes those kind of things happen just because they're supposed to happen. Mm, yeah. and, and to your point, um, they can feel less fresh. So has there been any particularly memorable speakers or in sessions that really stand out in your mind over the last two years? Mm. Oh, I'm just thinking because there were a lot of favorite ones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they've been quite different. So from, you know, quantifying risk, you know, how do you put a dollar value to risk, which yes. is really interesting, um, to something very different like DevSecOps to um, artificial intelligence. I mean, it's not just saying the buzzword, but we try to like put a different spin to the common topics that people talk about. Um, I would say that my favorite one would probably be the like two panel debate. So one was... Um, like what I mentioned, you know, the different C-level reporting, yep. how does that work for different organizations? Um, that was quite unique, I would say. And then another one where we had a very diverse panel talking about how um, different people from different backgrounds could be gender, race, uh, even skill background um, coming in the industry and how do they, how have they seen them um, be effective and Grew, grow in the industry itself and then this is like um, it was interesting because you I've got like a, I think I remember there was a COO from Safety Culture mm-hmm. that was there sharing her experience um, in a tech and innovative company and her perspective on security from that point of view mm-hmm. um, there's someone who wasn't in the industry I think he was a lawyer um, a law partner you know talking so it's, it was really a different mix so I think it was things like that that stood out yeah, and, and that was very interactive as well because we had the audience just standing up to their feet and, you know, challenging the panel. And so, yeah, that was quite memorable. And it's incredible that you've created an, an environment where that is okay to do, yep. where you can have different opinions and everyone learns and grows from yes. that. So, um, yeah, phenomenal that you've done that. So you, you're air quotes job is as the executive advisor for uh, Privacy. Oh, right. My real job, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, for those listening, like, what does Privacy do? What's the organization right. do? Yeah, so we are an independent consulting firm. Um, we actually started out in Australia and then we grew and we're now in Southeast Asia. So we are in Singapore and in Malaysia as well. Uh, but we focus in two main divisions, um, governance, risk and compliance. So that's where we do a lot of ISO 27001, work, PCI DSS, um, IROC assessments, cloud security assessments, things like that. Uh, We also are very well known in the tech assurance space. So that's where we do pen testing, rate teaming, more recently purple teaming. And another niche area would be drone security. So that's where we do drones, hardening, uh, forensics. Yeah, that, that's a whole different um, ball game. It's fascinating. Well, that's, yeah. that's like bleeding edge yeah, uh, security yeah, yeah. stuff. I know many yeah, people are doing that. So That's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so given you've done like so many different services for organizations, when they look at things like pen testing, mm. uh, red teaming, like what, what are the benefits that you would see falling out of those um, if they go to an organization like Privacy to, to mm. use those services? 
Um, so it depends on the different levels of maturity of the organizations as well. So for example, if a company is not matured at all and they don't even have anything basic, we wouldn't recommend rate teaming because it's, it's um, we'll definitely get in. <laughs> and <Yeah. laughs> if you look at all the past case studies as well, I think it's actually been about 100% successful rates of, of breaking into organization using different techniques yeah. uh, from social engineering, OSINs to physical intrusion as well. So um, I think we will make sure something that's more, um, we want to make, recommend something that's more value added for the company. So it could be, for instance, they just want to start off with the basics first and then we would help out with a security health check to assess where they are at, um, do a pen test for them. Um, but for companies that are more mature, then we'll, we'll uh, partner together and do rate teaming. Mm -hmm. um, but what we have found is that purple teaming is actually probably more value added uh, because uh, you're familiar with the MITRE attack and all. So yeah, can you run us, I'm definitely familiar with the MITRE yeah. attack framework. Can you run the, for the listeners though, uh, can yeah. you run us through purple teaming and what that means? Yeah, sure. So um, to put it in really simple layman terms then, what it does is that we sit down with the rate their blue team, sorry, their defense team. And then we actually instigate an attack itself. And then we will be showing them, hey, are you able to see this is happening right now as we speak? How are you detecting it? You know, what are you doing with it? So it's really um, actually knowledge transfer as well because we're equipping the defense team to, um, in a real life scenario, that this is ongoing, it's live right now. And then we train them on what they need to do to, on the different techniques, you know, there's about, I think, more than 120 mitral techniques these days um, and then we walk them through the different queue chain and, and so in a way it's, uh, it's we leave them with um, a higher level of maturity and ability to deal with incidents that, that sounds like a really useful approach rather than doing a red teaming winning and then nobody and then, really yeah. learns anything from that exactly yeah yeah definitely see that's uh, that's awesome um and in terms of the certification side of things that you, you sort of ran through there, mm -hmm. um, like, do you see the, the alignment to those kind of well-recognized certifications? So you mentioned things like ISO, IRAP, uh, locally here in Australia, um, like aligning to those certifications, but then also being assessed by kind of expert third-party organizations like Privasec. Um, is that becoming more critical, do you think, for businesses to stay competitive and resilient? Mm, yes, um, mm. I would say that I've seen the shift where there is a lot of um, less mature companies realizing now they need to be compliant and they have actually, um, that has helped trigger a desire to for them to try to align themselves with certain certifications to get a foot in the door with certain businesses as well. Uh, that is a good starting point where they can get more um, security aware um, people coming in, right? But what the misconception is that being compliant doesn't mean you are secure. Mm. So that's something that people have to also be mindful of. Um, it has helped though, like speaking to so many people, they, they it's a common frustration for them because they are saying the same things to their company and their, like the board and they are telling them you need to do this. But you know, the board is not really listening to internal people and then, then they have to get a third party to come in. Um, they pay a lot of money to an independent assessor who comes in and tell them the exact same thing. Yep. <laughs> and then, you know, the, the board buys into that. But that's how it works, human nature. <laughs> that is. It's amazing, isn't it? The, uh, yeah. the third-party expert, uh, how much uh, weight that carries. Yeah. Um, definitely an important uh, thing. And, and speaking of third-party experts, so 
Um, obviously, you've written the book, Cyber Risk Leaders, so congratulations again on that. Thank you. Um, how does it feel, like, after so much work, right? It's, it took many, many years, and how many interviews? Like, a lot, right? <laughs> oh, um, yeah, I, I think I counted, actually. That was about 70, like, more than 70 different wow. C-level people that I've spoken to around the world. Yep. Uh, I could only name 30 of them in the book. Yep. Yeah, because some of it is really confidential, and it's a mix of, like, the F ex-FBI's, the uh, ex-Navy SEALs, um, to um, government sizes, to critical infrastructure, to, you know, so it's a really, really broad spectrum, um, but it's been fascinating, like getting to their minds and their heads and just trying to extract out different perspectives and put them into a book. Yeah, it's also a bit confusing because there's so many voices. Yeah. <laughs> so at the end of the day is, yeah, trying to figure out what's going to be most relevant to people, but the readers will have to, you know, sift through and, and find out what's applicable to their own world and their own industry and apply that accordingly. Yeah. But what a phenomenal resource for them to be able to shortcut years yes, of work on your part definitely. to be able to have a book that they can go to yes. and then go straight to the important parts for their particular yeah. industry. And actually, just speaking on that, that's one reason why the CISOs themselves are so willing to like spend the time and really give back as well because they are mm -hmm. mindful of leaving their legacy but also they are mindful of the next generation coming up. So that was something that really stood out throughout the entire experience. It's an amazing industry to me given yep. that it is security. How how much there is this spirit of collaboration yes. and working together. Exactly. It's it's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, it's the common theme in the conversations I've had doing these. Yes. It, it's people every single time. Yes. It's protecting a grandmother. It's protecting an organization. Mm. It's working together to to do security well. Yeah. Um, so obviously, like you spoke to a lot of people when you were doing the book, and obviously you can't name those people. But was there any? standout interviews that you remember where you know it, something really spoke to you or kind of stood out from an interview perspective um i think i remember the main theme while writing the book is like keeps coming to me right it's like wow we have a lot of exceptional people in this industry they're all really good really um they have different experience but they have so much to give back that's what that really stood out. Um, so I can't really name a favorite because their stories are also individual and so unique. Yep. What I can share maybe that comes to mind is a recent conversation that I had with Steve Katz. So he's the world's, he's known as the world's first CISO. And uh, I actually wrote a LinkedIn article, a little bit, of a snippet about what we talked about because it's going to come out in the second print of the cyber risk leaders. Awesome. But uh, what's incredible is he, he took on the role of the CISO in 1994. So that was, wow. yeah, I mean, in Australia, we're seeing the like size role becoming really popular these days. Mm -hmm. It's appearing on LinkedIn at such a rapid rate. But uh, like it's only come on, like, I think about 10 years, this title. But Steve actually held that title, uh, yeah, in 1994. And he had to deal with the first hack um, for Citicorp back then and that was when Russia hacked into the bank and you know when you don't have a previous example of a breach and you don't really know how to deal with it you where do you it's start only right? exactly it as you go. yeah wow. yeah and and for him what was really key was really recognizing that even back in the days that cybersecurity is actually a business risk mm -hmm. and i was quite surprised to hear him tell me that he was already talking to the board about you know it being a business risk how do you align your conversation about cyber risk in the perspective of how the organization as a whole managed risk. Um, and, and it really brought to mind that, hey, you know, we are talking about it now a lot more, only in the last few years itself. Um, you know, it, 
And it's funny because he has been talking about it in the US, in New York, like ages ago. So I think mm. it, it really brought to mind something someone said as well about how we always talk about learning lessons, right? But maybe are we really applying the lessons if we're talking about the same thing many years later on? Yep. And maybe it's just <laughs> lessons identified, but not lessons yep. learned yet. Yeah. So food for thought. <laughs> yeah, most definitely. Um, I think we're just about running out of time. Um, there's probably a couple more, uh, just kind of short questions. But like, what, what did you take out of the process of writing the book? Like, what, what was it from a personal perspective? Even guessing you would have learned a lot outside of security. Mm, so from personal perspective, I would say it takes a lot of discipline to write. So there were many times that I really wanted to give up because you're talking about spending time after work, you know, your weekends, mm -hmm. late in the evening, um, just trying to consolidate different thoughts and perspective and, and make sense of it. And at the same time, also add in your own voice and, yep. and just put everything together. So there are moments where I really enjoy it so much that I couldn't stop <laughs> before I knew it. It was so late in the morning already and I had to go to work. But there are, there are moments where, you know, you just don't want to look at it. <laughs> yeah. you just want to leave it there um, so what kept me going really is I guess wanting to see that finished product being in the hands of people where they can learn and, and just grow from it and, and it has been very rewarding when I've even had students who are in the industry and they've told me they've gotten a copy of, from, of the book some of them have borrowed it from the library it's in the library in Australia and awesome. in Singapore as well uh, National Library over there and, and they said that it, it has really helped them given a perspective of what it's like in the real world out there in the corporate world and it's going to equip them when they go out there and they know what to look out for and, and I guess it's things like that that really makes it very fulfilling yeah and even like people who are in the new like new in the industry they they're considering joining the cybersecurity industry that's one thing as well that has come up um where they found it really helpful and and that was something that i guess is a bonus because when i first started writing the book it was really just i've been speaking to even like new sizos or aspiring sizos and they mm. want to learn from their peers or even experienced sizos who want to learn from each other but they just don't have that bandwidth Yep. to do that so that was the original intention to bring it together to help the security leaders do their job better um, but yeah it's a pleasant surprise to find that it's just touching everyone on different aspects yeah that's great and it sounds like such a good shortcut you know to consolidate yeah. all of that knowledge into one place yep. I mean, phenomenal thing to do um, so you sort of hinted at it we can expect another book uh, <laughs> or two or so well more of like a second print for yep. now where awesome. I have a few editions that has come out that um, actually one of it is really exciting uh, one of the US ex-president his Saizo, um, I've actually sat down here for like one and a half hour. Wow. And like the things that he has shared for the second print of the book is really, really interesting. So Phenomenal. that's What's a work a in teaser? progress. <laughs> <laughs> I know, and actually you are the first that I'm sharing that with. So uh, we've yeah. got breaking news. Yeah, this that's is true. Exciting. That's something that's Yeah. So yeah, watch awesome. this space. Will do. And and so where can you buy the current edition or is it on sale? Oh, right. Uh, so it's currently on Amazon and I think it's on Amazon and Kindle, Google Play Books as well. Um, if you want to get, if you're in Australia or actually if you're around the world, you can get a hard copy through my security marketplace. Yeah. And just search for cyber risk leaders and it will come up. Perfect. Too easy. And then the cyber risk meetups, how do people yeah. get involved? Yeah. So just go to cyberriskmeetup.com. Too easy. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, we've pretty much run out of time, Shane. Um, so really, again, thank you so much for taking yes. the time to chat today. Oh, I really um, enjoyed really, myself, actually. So thanks for having me. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. 
And there you go. Thanks again to Shaman for taking the time out to talk to us. And please do check the show notes for details on how to get involved in Shaman's Cyberisk Meetup and also where to find her book, Cyberisk Leaders. As always, thanks for listening. And I look forward to catching you on the next episode of the Get Cyber Resilient podcast.